Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. Ladies and gentlemen, you have found yourself on another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Gerald here with you, your host, of course, and my guest P this week, my co-host, is a guy that I am a giant fan of. I love this dude. Podcasting, yes, but just in general, he's so much fun to talk to. We've gotten together, we've talked about music before, we've talked about movies before, We've talked about our shared love over on my Patreon of some of my favorite movies of all time, like Mulholland Drive and Terminator 2. And this guy is just the best. Brandon Cruz is back on the show. What's up, Brandon? How are you, man? Hey, man. I am doing fan swell. Fan swellbulous. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's a word, but I'm gonna, you know what? They should add it to the dictionary because you just said it on air. So it's it's recorded now. It's it's official. When, when whenever somebody asks me how I'm doing, I, I either say I'm doing fantastic or I say I'm doing swell. You know, and, and I'm like, but like I don't want to always en- enter in a conversation like that. And so well, you you heard me. You heard me really fight with myself in that moment. Yeah, yeah, you were battling with it. Well, when you're with me, it's both, I guess. So. <laughs> But we're back together again, man. You were telling me you're out on the West Coast now. I think the last time you recorded that was not the case. So you've made a pretty big move since the last time you and I got together, or at least on the mic. Yeah. You know, but, you know what's, what's, what's interesting about that is is that I think the last thing we talked about was L.A. movies. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And, uh, and, that, and that's where I'm back. Uh, I was born and raised out here, and, and now I'm, I'm living here full time. I, I was in the Air Force uh, slash Space Force for basically 21 years, and I'm retiring. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. cool, well, now I'm done. And so I'm back here with all my family in Los well, Angeles. I love that. I love yeah. that, man. And I, I love Cali, too. I'm, I'm, of course, all the way over here in North Carolina on the East Coast. But I, every time I used to be with a company that they were stationed in L.A. Mm. and their headquarters were there. So we would go there like once a year for like our conference or whatever. And it was always in California, kind of like around L.A. because we wanted to be in close proximity to the headquarters. And every time I went there and this was like every year for like 12, 13 years I was with this company. I was like, I don't want to leave here. Like, I just <laughs> want to be here forever. You know, but I ha- I haven't made that happen yet. And my daughter's in film school. She's going to California when she graduates in two years. Oh, nice, nice. So I'm like, I, I, it's happening. I see it's kind of starting. The wheels are kind of starting <laughs> to move a little bit. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. It, it's kind of the opposite for me because I, I I lived my entire life here up until mm-hmm, I was 18. Mm-hmm. I was like, Ugh, I don't. Yeah. I, I want to have a family. I want to have a career. I got to get out of here. Uh, <laughs> right. I don't want to be in the industry. Uh, right. And so then, you know, after 20 years, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Maybe. Yeah, I, maybe I'll, I do belong here. Yeah, I'll stop sure. punishing my family. I'll come home. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Well, look, man, you're back. Now, uh, before we dive into the topic this week, now I'm going to tell you, Brandon, it's, you know, 
this is, of course, no offense to you in any way, because you know I love you, but this was a head-scratcher <laughs> for me, man. I was like, it, I put up a Twitter, and we have a Twitter chat for my patrons. There's like 20 or so people in there, and I threw it up there, and I said, guys, I think one of my guests has actually stumped me here. And I was kind of seeking guidance from them. But we're going to get into the topic here in a second. I want you to kind of explain what we're talking about tonight. But tell them what you're doing, man. So you, are, you're still doing the Rick and Morty thing pretty regularly? or Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so sure, tell sure. them a little bit about that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, so right now, Rick and Morty is in, a, is, is in its sixth season. Uh, it's got at least four, at least four more to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, Interdimensional RSS, the unofficial Rick and Morty podcast. I've been doing it uh, for since about 2017. Uh, we talk about we talk about all the episodes. We talk about we we try to get folks on the show uh, from the show, like directors, writers. Yeah, so we've we've had some folks on there, executive producers like Scott Martyr, who also worked on uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia for a while. Nice. Uh, and and yeah, like we just we're still doing it. We're kind of like low key partner with Adult Swim to do some some stuff. I won the Golden Rick Head, which is a I saw that a yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> now Wait. tell me exactly what that is because I you know I casually watch Rick and Morty but of course I'm not like an avid you know super fan like like you are so explain to me what that is exactly yeah so going into season six Adult Swim they they wanted to incorporate Rick and Morty fans worldwide so what they did was they're like we're gonna have this this tie-in called Wormageddon leading into the season premiere of season six and what they're gonna do is they're gonna build fourteen different large statues or sculptures and put them in various countries around the world. Mm-hmm. Nine of those are, were going to be hidden. And in order to find those nine hidden places, the day of, they would, they would put a clue out there on social media, like a kind of a word clue. And you'd have to find out where it was. Okay. The, the first person to, to find the clue, uh, well, to solve the clue and then show up at the statue and say like the hidden keyword would then win a, a golden Rick head, which is just, it's about five pounds. Maybe it's like a, a little, <laughs> just a Rick uh, Sanchez head. That's like plated, like not, not even plated, like dipped in like gold gloss or something like that. Yeah. But to have that dude, yeah, oh, that's so great. And uh, so the, the very, very first day, the very first clue, it was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm teleworking, working from home. And uh, mm-hmm. the, the first clue is like, talks about, 21 miles of scenic beauty, uh, overlooking the coast, a bunch of rich assholes, and mm. I'm I'm here in L.A. And so I'm like, well, rich assholes, a coast, 21 miles of beauty. It's in Malibu. Obviously, it's in Malibu. Yeah. And, uh, and sure enough, like I followed the clues. Some folks on Twitter had like the exact address. They figured out the math. And so I showed up and lo and behold. Bam. There I was. <laughs> oh my God. That's so great, man. That is, that is so cool, dude. I love I love that I saw all the stuff on social media when it happened too. Uh congratulations on that, dude. That's awesome. Especially somebody that's such a huge fan as yourself. Yeah. Well, what uh, what about the uh, Twilight Zone thing? You still doing that? So you had me on for that a couple years ago. I I did, and I need to bring you back on because I, I haven't done it in like two years. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. The, the, I killed the, it. I yeah, I, <laughs> I ended it. It was it was you. It was like <laughs> You you went on it, and then everyone's like, just stop it right here. This is no validity to the show anymore at all. You should just take, take it off the take feed. Take a hiatus, bro. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because Not because it was bad, but because it was too good. It was too good. They're like, you'll never get better than this. Uh, so I, I need you to come oh, back on man. to help me kick it off. Uh, oh, man. I, I was actually thinking about you. You know, we're recording this in October. It's uh, coming out next month, but we're doing our Halloween episodes this month, you know, and we did spooky tv shows and i thought about you because i'm like if brandon listens to this 
he, there's no way he's not going to punish me verbally in some way because Twilight Zone was in like my number eight or something like that. <laughs> it wasn't in my top five, and I'm like, he's going to come for me when he listens to this. But just no. spoiler, spoiler alert. I did mention <laughs> it. My guests had it on their list. But yeah, I know you're a big fan of that too. So I tell you what, man, you came up with this topic that we're counting down tonight. Now, why don't you tell the folks what the top five is tonight and kind of explain a little bit why you wanted to do this topic and what it means to you, like definition wise. Okay. All right. Here, here we go. Here we go. You, when you, when you, uh, I, I saw that you were doing the show, you're like, Hey, come, come on, Brandon, let's do a, do a topic. And then <clears throat> Halloween was rolling around. I'm like, okay, 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 okay. And you know, like you have, you've, you've talked a lot about many, many different subjects. And so I was like, okay, what hasn't, hasn't been on the show yet. I, I was kind of going back to like the, the old tropes of like man versus environment, man versus man, those types of things. I was like, mm-hmm. well, what about man versus devil? Uh, right. as far as, as far as horror films, right? Or just films in general, but you know, we're in October, so it has to be horror. Sure. And, and when I said that, I was like, I, I pushed that out to you. And at first I was like, yeah, I know man versus devil. But then I was like, how many movies are there that are man versus devil? <laughs> because then that makes it, I think it like, it, it makes a very kind of small pool that we would have a lot of doubles in. So I, I waffled and I wavered and I was like, well, it doesn't have to necessarily be literal devil. It could be like <laughs> right. evil devil, but like a personification or like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I don't, did you give yourself like hard and fast parameters or are we just doing kind of a loosely like kind of man versus evil kind of thing? I, I think that's what I ended up with was it being like a, a, a very, when I started looking at movies, I'm like, I, I did have some literal devil in there, but I was like, okay, well, now there's, there's some loose kind of, maybe not the devil Lucifer, but like, like mm-hmm. some kind of evil entity that, that could be perceived as, as a, as a devil or evil. Well, I want to tell you, I want to thank you because it's not, it's rare that there's a topic that's not like on the horror agenda for the month of October that still lets me bring out all the horror love. And I feel like this category really, lends to horror because you know without giving any titles away i mean just right off the top of the head you have like the exorcism type movies and you know dealing with possession like the possession horror is a whole subgenre in itself now oh yeah yeah so right away you have all that stuff on the table so i was like cuz when you first told me it's it actually made my top 5 so we'll talk about it whether it's on your list or not it will come up is one movie came to mind immediately that I haven't seen in way too long, that ironically is not a horror movie. Um, but then as I started diving into my research a little bit, I'm looking at my 10 right now, including my honorable mentions, and eight out of 10 of them are horror movies. Did you run into that too, or do you have a little bit of everything on your list? I, I mean, for the most part, they're all they're all horror movies. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah. cool, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I even I even try, tried like, okay, just thinking about other variations, and it was very, very difficult, uh, especially if you're talking about the devil. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I guess that's kind of what makes it tough to really branch out. But I mean, some movies did, and, and I actually got one of them in my top five that's a comedy, really. So I don't know. It'd be an interesting conversation, but it was really cool because I love when a topic gets pitched to me and I'm like, there's no way I can do that. And then I start researching. I'm like, oh, well. This is fucking easy. Now I have to figure out how to get it down to five. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. kind of that's kind of what happened here. You know, like initially I was like a little reluctant to like do it because I didn't know if I'd be able to come up with enough. And it just ended up being a pretty easy task at the end of the day. So was making your list pretty easy for you too, or did you have to really kind of dive in? 
I, I start, I started with, I started with three or four and then I got to five and then, then I was like, Hey, you know, I talked to my, my friend Kevin, uh, who I'm doing this kind of like horror movie rewatch thing with, mm-hmm. uh, and doing articles every day, asked him and I asked my wife, Chelsea, and then I was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh exactly. yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. They start flooding in after a while. Yeah. 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 Absolutely, man. All right, brother. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's get started. Uh, Brandon's here from Interdimensional RSS. Did I say that right? I did it right, right? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That is so good, man. You should I'm be so on my pr- show. You should do my show for me. Yeah. <laughs> so pr- no, last time I did that, it ended. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I want you to keep doing it. So we're going to do our man versus devil movies. And we are leaving it kind of loose and kind of open to interpretation. I was joking with you pre-recording, Brandon, that I may have gone a little too literal in my list, but I was so proud of myself (laughs) that I got 10 solidified devil versus man films. So I'm going to stick with what I've got. Plus, I love these movies uh, that ended up making my list, especially my top five. But why don't you get us started, man? What is your number five and why'd you pick it? Okay. All right. Starting with number five. Uh, I, maybe this should be higher just be, if I want to stick with the literal, but it, it's one that like everybody jumped out with at first when they hear man versus devil mm-hmm. because devil's in the title. And of course, it's 1997 film with Keanu Reeves, Al Pacino and Charlize mm-hmm. Theron, the devil's mm-hmm. advocate. Yeah, this is the, this is what I was talking about. This <laughs> is the first movie uh, that came to mind for me. It's also on my list just a tad higher. So I'll talk a little bit about it when it comes around to me. But. I don't know. I was kind of surprised that this is the first one that came to mind with me being such a horror guy. But go ahead and talk a little bit about this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, this is a film. I, I don't know if I saw it in theaters. I feel like I saw it in theaters. And it was just kind of around like that that era of seven, right? Where like, okay, we're talking about the devil. We're talking about sins. Sins are a big thing. And the whole thing about mortal sin and vanity and... Yeah. Uh, Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino uh, working as a lawyer in a law, a law firm uh, and going through those things, I thought was like, you know, everybody makes the jokes about lawyers being evil in general. So what a what a great way of being like, yeah, the devil is literally the head of this law firm. <laughs> right. I mean, it was a it was a brilliant way to really capture that kind of like shark mentality that a reputation that lawyers have in general. And it's like, you know, what everyday kind of like occupation and like everyday person could be the devil. And it's like, what's more perfect than like a blood sucking lawyer? Do you know what I mean? Like it just fits so perfect, I thought. Yeah, yeah. And and I and I love the resolution of the film with Keanu Reeves making the right choice and then mm-hmm. and being like, Oh, I did it. I made the right choice. I'm a good person. And then leaning <laughs> into that and the devil then morphing and be like, ah vanity yeah exactly yeah uh, so i'll talk a little bit about it here in a second but that's a great pick and it's so funny that you mentioned that at the gate because that's the one i was talking about that just came to mind like as soon as you typed it in the chat that was the first movie i thought of was was, <laughs> was devil's advocate so a little crossover to get us started but that's your number five my number five is the only film that would be considered in any remote way fun <laughs> like it's the only one that's not like just bleak and horrific Uh, So get ready, guys. It only goes down from here in terms of the feel-good ratio. But mine is from 2000, which I think... When was Devil's Advocate? That was 97. 97, okay, all right. So I I was thinking it was 2000, but it's not. So from 2000 is Bedazzled. Oh. (laughs) All right. Directed by Harold Ramis, by the way. 
Oh. Uh, freaking, obviously, uh, Egon from Ghostbusters and uh, many, many other things. But I love him. Stripes, you know, Harold Ramis. But it's got uh, Brendan Fraser in there and a freaking hot Satan devil in, played by Elizabeth Hurley, dude. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Bedazzled? Uh, I have not. I what? I have not. I have not seen Bedazzled, but I uh, know exactly the movie. Okay. I know it. I know Brendan Fraser. Yeah, I did. And I, I of course, you yeah. know this is this is this is on the heels of uh not Ace Ventura uh, of uh Austin Powers, right? Right. Yep. Two thousand. Yep. Elizabeth Hurley. I mean, who, who, Dude. what, what young man did not Dude. have a crush on Elizabeth Hurley? If she at is that coming, age? if she's coming to me, like sell your soul for me, and it's her, I'm like, sure, yeah, done, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but you know, this movie is just like so slapstick and kind of like ridiculously silly at the different things that Brendan Fraser's character finds himself in because. You know, it's essentially like almost like a genie in the lamp kind of story where the devil will grant you these wishes, but you have to give your soul and that kind of thing. So he goes through all these different scenarios where, you know, he just kind of wants to live his dream and do these things that he never could do. There's, I remember there's one segment in the movie where he wishes that he's like, uh, like basically like a Michael Jordan where he's like the best NBA player of all time. <laughs> and, you know, the movie is intentionally over the top and like campy. So, he gets his wish and he becomes like the greatest NBA basketball player ever. And I remember this one scene where like he's being interviewed by an iteration of her, by the way, because she plays all these like sub characters in the like the devil in the form of whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So in, in one scene, she's the reporter in the locker room and she's interviewing him. And I remember Brendan Fraser's just like sweating like profusely where it's like literally like over the top pouring like a waterfall <laughs> from his face yeah. while, while she's talking to him you know and he's like spitting the sweat all over her as he's like being interviewed i don't know it's just like super like extra it, uh, is, but stuff it, like that is is there is there a moment in that movie where like he ends up being like some kind of uh uh, like Cuban or, or yeah, drug yeah, lord. Yeah. He's like a drug lord or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, man. So I mean, you know, directed by Harold Ramis, and I have fond memories of this. And uh, I was in college at the time when it came out. I just remember thinking it was just kind of cute and funny and over the top. And uh, it's one of the very few instances which we were already touched on where the devil's involved and it's not like such a downer. You know, what I mean, it's just just a fun movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so. so I'll have you know, I, though I haven't seen it, it was in it was in my my top ten because I'm like I don't want everything to be super super. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, but uh, but it was it was it was there as at least as a runner up. So. Awesome, awesome. I'll take it. I'll take that crossover as well. <laughs> All right, man. So that sends us over to you for your number four. What do you got, Brandon? Okay, number four. So we we just we just talked about wanting to keep some levity in this this topic. Uh, my wife is the one who brought this up, and it is a movie that I've, I've always loved. Uh, it is a, it is a comedy. It is from 1992. It is the John Ritter starring <laughs> film. Stay tuned. Oh, I've never seen this. Talk oh, to me a little bit about this. Yeah, yeah. Directed by Peter Hyams. Uh, it is it is a story <clears throat> about a man who loves TV so much, and uh, a the. Evil, the hell, demons and, and hell, uh, the, uh, they, they go around and they give, uh, basically free satellite television to, to families. Mm-hmm. And well, what the satellite, you know, the big ass satellite in the, in the backyard, what it does is it actually sucks people into the TV. Mm. Uh, and so, 
what hell is is trying to t- take people's souls. And if people can survive for 24 hours, then then they're free. Uh, and so it is a comedy. John Ritter is, is there. Jeffrey Jones is in there, who is also in The Devil's Advocate and is also basically very evil himself. But um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he is the devil in the, this case. And John Ritter gets sucked in with his wife. And they're going through like a, just you ever seen like UHF or oh uh, yeah for sure Kentucky Fried Movie where they have those those parodies of of television shows maybe like uh, Amazon Women on the Moon mm-hmm. there are a bunch of different parodies that these that John Ritter and his wife are like going through uh, so talking about like Northern overexposure. Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. At some that, point. Now, that sounds familiar a little bit. So, I wonder if maybe I did see this back in the day. Uh, they, they get they get turned into a, 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 a cartoon. So, like a cat and mouse type mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's like a music video with salt and pepper. <laughs> it's, oh, man. Classic. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. I, I, I love it. Stay tuned. All right. What was the year on that, by the way? Do you have it? 92. 90, oh, I was going to say 80s. Okay. 92. Wow. All right. Well, you already talked about my number four is the Devil's Advocate. Mm. You know, and like I mentioned when we discussed it, when it came up on your list, it was the first movie that came to my mind. I mean, Al Pacino as you know the fucking devil. I mean, dude, <laughs> is it is it any better? Like at least in modern cinema, I mean, how could it be any better than that? And you know, him and Keanu just kind of hamming it up and just really taking advantage of this kind of ridiculous, over the top story. Charlize Theron, I don't know if she was any hotter, dude. I really don't. I mean, it, was she ever hotter? I mean, she is so sexy <laughs> and beautiful in this movie. I'm just going to tell you. And I remember being, because I graduated high school in 94, um, so I was pretty young yeah. when, when this came out. I just remember being like, wow, that's the hottest actress I've ever seen on the big screen <laughs> in this movie. She's so uh, alluring in the film. Craig T. Nelson in there. Uh, great, great role from oh, him yeah. as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, I own this one. I just need to revisit it. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I just remember being so kind of captivated by the kind of grandiose, like ridiculous story, but it was kind of still somewhat grounded to where you were kind of like, I kind of see this. You know what I mean? Like it was somewhat believable despite the kind of advantageous like storyline you know yeah yeah no i i I agree with that right it i I think i think some supernatural stories are are better when they are grounded in reality Mm -hmm. so that when the supernatural stuff starts happening uh like shirley's throne like her she's starting to question reality and it makes it more effective when you start questioning reality with the characters right for sure yeah 100 percent so, Devil's Advocate, we crossed up on us. It was your five. It's my number four. So, we'll swing it back over to you for your number three, buddy. What do you got? Okay. All right. So, so for my number three, I, I wanted this. The, this is a sequel. Originally, I wanted the original to be higher on this list, but I was like, I feel like I feel like it's going to be on this list already. So, let's go give some love to the third one mm-hmm. uh, and keep it at number three because it's the third one. It's, mm. it's the 1990 film, The Exorcist 3. Okay. Uh, yeah, good, great sequel. Uh, so, yeah, directed by William Peter Blatty, written by William Peter Blatty, who mm-hmm. wrote the original screenplay. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's George C. Scott, Brad Dourif, Jason Miller, who was in the original Exorcist as well. And, yeah, I, I love The Exorcist 3 because it is, it is a, it feels like it's a, just a novelization brought to screen. Like it feels like a novel. And some of like the dialogue is very novel esque, right? It's like, mm-hmm. 
it, it's almost as if somebody's like reading an audiobook sometimes when like Brad Dourif is talking or or George right. C. Scott is is talking about a story about keeping a fish in the bathtub. Right. <laughs> a great great film and and one of the one of the best uh, jump scares of, of all time is in that film. Yeah, uh, made, with, made my list when we did top five jump scares. I can't remember if that was last year or the Halloween before, but yeah, it made my top five jump scares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just a, such a, a great movie, and it's not one that I uh, ever ever watched until maybe uh, maybe just a couple years ago, maybe like three or four years ago actually. Um, and uh, just I've just grown to appreciate it more and more. So. Yeah, it's a great pick, man. It's uh, it's another one that I, you know what, I want to actually do a rewatch of all the Exorcist films. I really do. I, I just, I only own the first one, but I'm sure I could find the other one streaming and stuff like that. But I, I don't know. I just want to rewatch them. I just haven't seen them in so long. But I, I do know that the Exorcist three is probably the best of the sequels, at least. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, sure. you, like you said, the jump scare for the ages in that movie, and a lot of the, you know, a lot of the great imagery that we love from the original kind of being called back in this movie too. a lot of nostalgia was built into this movie to mm-hmm. to, to harken back to the original. So I remember that too. I'll talk a little bit about the exorcist later, but it'll be a different film and you probably know what it is because, <laughs> because, because you know me, uh, my number three is a horror movie. It is a slow burn, atmospheric, creepy AF horror film. There's no gore in it. There's no, Really, no jump scares. There's like one that comes to mind, but I mean, it was pretty subtle. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen it. It's a film called The House of the Devil, which came out in 2009, directed by Ty West. Have you seen uh, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have. I have seen House of the Devil. It's been a long time, so I, I don't quite remember what it's about. Dude, this mo- I have a love affair with this film. I fucking love this movie so much. <laughs> it's one of my favorite horror films since the year 2000. Um, it just speaks to my sensibilities on so many levels. But Ty West, you know, he's actually, uh, it's funny that we're speaking about him on this episode. He's actually rose to fame this year because he did yeah. X and Pearl. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and he has another one coming out called Maxine, which will complete that trilogy. And I love those movies too. I haven't seen Maxine yet, but the other two I really, really enjoyed. But House of the Devil, he's kind of getting started with this kind of like 1980s, 1970s and 80s kind of noir, like homage type cinema where he would film everything as if he didn't have the technology of the 2000s. It was kind of filmed in like a 1980s aesthetic. And I love it. Like, I don't know if you're a fan of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Amityville Horror, but those yeah. kind of films would, and this is going to sound bad, but because audiences were a little more dumb in the 70s, they didn't have, <laughs> at, you know, at their fingertips research like we do. Yeah, of course. So they would use this trope where the filmmakers would start the movie with like, and sometimes they would even have a narrator where it would be like based on true events, you know, (laughs) and it's not, you know what I mean? It's not. Uh, Or it's like a story that's like loosely, loosely based, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like John Larroquette narrating Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, exactly. So he did that with this movie, which is something we hadn't seen in 30 or 40 years. And the whole feel of the movie is very 1980s, but you know, the premise is, uh, Jocelyn Donahue, this young actress who's the final girl essentially in the movie, uh, takes this job to 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 babysit at uh, this giant kind of mansion almost. And there's no kids there. So she gets there and there's no kids. And she's like, what? And it turns out they just want her to watch the house while they go out on date night, essentially. But what ends up actually becoming to fruition is they basically want to sacrifice her. And, you know, the people that own the house are basically you know, the devil is telling them to do these things. They're Satanists and she's going to kind of be the victim. But 
There's so many things about this movie I could literally talk about, do a whole podcast of just this <laughs> film. Were you a fan of it? Do you have uh, fond memories of this movie? So I, I now now that you're describing it. So what I what I know about Ty West is I I I love the way he shoots his films. Right? It mm-hmm. it feels it feels very true to this the the time that he wants to represent. So I mean I mean we're not talking about we're not talking about X necessarily, but I mean just to bring it up. Yeah, sure. Uh, like they, you know, we, in this day and age, we have widescreen, you know, you got the bars at the, at the top and the bottom. He like does something at the very, very start where he, he boxes it in just out of the frame of like, out of like a, a shed and mm-hmm. using that framing technique, he, he creates the old classic resolution of what we might have watched back in the day. Yep. Uh, um, just very, very subtle, super, super cool. And what I remember now about House of the Devil is it felt like an 80s horror film. It did. Uh, just, it really did. In it fact, shot. if you didn't know and, you, you know, you just were going through the channels and you stopped on it, you would almost certainly, like if you didn't know anything about it, you would almost certainly think it was a movie from the 80s. For like, sure. Like yeah. watching it with no context. You know what I mean? Um, and he does that purposefully, which I think is... I, possibly could be argued as a little bit more difficult because it's like you're kind of having to strip back and scale back all these things that are like at your fingertips to make sure that your aesthetic comes across you know what it, i mean and he has done it with really all of his movies to be honest there there is i'll, I'll say there is a real art to making something look like it's vintage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it, it's, exactly. It's, it's not everything is digital now everything is so so clean how do you make something that is so pristine, so kind of dirty? <laughs> and, and I think I'm going to probably do an episode in the future where we do like uses of songs and film. We already did that on one episode a few years ago with my friend Amanda, but I'm probably going to do an updated countdown for that. And I, I can almost guarantee you that the fixes one thing leads to another from this movie mm. where she first takes the job and she's kind of dancing around the house with her headphones on. And you kind of get the feeling that there's all this sinister shit going on in the shadows. But she has these headphones on and she's just dancing all happy. And, you know, she's like doing the dishes and shit. And like, I don't know, it's like a feel good scene. But you also are like worried for her that, you know, something's going to pop out at any second. You don't really know. And and Ty West is great about that, too, because you don't really know what's happening yet. Like, you don't know what the deal is. You just know that it's not good for her, you know, but you don't know what exactly is going to happen. So... It's a very tense moment, but you, you know the song is awesome. Her dancing is cool. Like it's just a really shot, really well, and um, that's a really awesome scene that you can actually look up on YouTube. It's like a two minute scene, but yeah, it, it's a it's a built in terror, and it's it's a, it's a very very artistic thing mm-hmm. to to have that 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 disconnect that that little gap of space in between what mm-hmm. we the viewer know is this is a horror film and something bad is going to happen to her. Right. And, and the character having good times and dancing. Woo. One thing. You know, yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's, it's such an effective uh, technique. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of house of the devil has devil in the title. You know, the devil is kind of, you know, they're worshiping the devil. I mean, the devil never really shows up in the movie, but I guess I took a little bit of Liberty there because their worship of the devil is kind of what guides the film. I I count it. I count it. Okay. All right, cool. Well, I'm glad. You know, exorcist, exorcist three and exorcist have Pazuzu. So I'm just saying like, it's not really the devil, but we, we make, 
<laughs> Make right, the devil's in the details. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, high five. Do <laughs> people still say that? They don't say that anymore. Do they? <laughs> they, they should. We should bring it back. <laughs> I don't know, man. All right, the house of the devil is my number three. We're up to our runner-ups, Brandon. What do you got at number two, man? Okay, num- at number two, I have the 1993 film uh, starring Max von Sydow mm. as the devil himself, but you know uh, Leland Gaunt. And a little bit of Ed Harris uh, for the Stephen King adaptation of Needful Things. Yeah, it's a good one. I haven't seen that one literally in probably 20 years. Yeah, yeah. It, <clears throat> it, it, it's when I think of when I think of devils, I always think of there's like a Rick and Morty episode in the first season. Uh, something wicked this way comes. And it talks mm. of like there's a point where he's like he's fighting with the literal devil in that show. Uh, and he's doing a Needful Things slash uh like a Friday thirteenth the series, uh something wicked this way comes. Uh, you know, like basically Leland Gaunt is going in there into the town just to wreak havoc, cause chaos, not directly, but by turning people against each other, by giving them the things that they feel they need the most, which is essentially just selling their soul. Mm-hmm. Just anything Max von Sidow is in as mm-hmm. we will probably talk about a little bit later, is just he's just so friggin' good in, in everything. Mm-hmm. He just I love seeing him in things. Uh, Minority Report, you know, just like his presence is just acting God. <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, he definitely ha- presence is the right word. I mean, he definitely has a presence. He's so memorable uh, in really every character that I can remember him playing. He was so memorable in all the movies he was in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, cool, man. So, Needful Things, you know, that's yeah. one that I can't give a lot of commentary on just because I don't really remember it all too well. I mean, Stephen King's a master, and I remember liking it. I just haven't seen it in so long. But I do, it showed up on a lot of lists when I was doing research, and I need to revisit it, basically, is what I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> so, if, I'll do if, that. If somebody came into town <laughs> with a curio shop and you went in there, do you know what you would see there that you'd be like, oh, I need that? <laughs> and, right. and you and you would give yourself for i i don't i don't mm, know yeah i don't know either i guess it's a different time too you know now yeah. everything's like i don't know man i mean people oh. people be saying bitcoin today you know oh yeah <laughs> i yeah. mean who knows so they'd, be, they'd be like uh i wouldn't go into an uh an antique shop i would be shopping yeah. on amazon yeah i was gonna say i'd be on ebay what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> amazon primal things uh the remake in 2023 so, uh, that was your number two. My number two is a film that is one of my favorite films easily of the last 10 years. In fact, well, I don't want to say my favorite, but it's probably in like my top three at least of the last 10 years. And regular listeners of the show are going to be like, oh my God, he found a way to put this on a list again. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime this fits on a list, I do what I can to get to sneak it in there. So I won't, Terminator 2. Uh, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> So I won't talk a ton, ton about it, but I do want to see if you saw it and what you think of it. But it's uh, from 2015. It was Robert Eggers' uh, debut film, The Witch. Oh, yeah, yeah. I so I have I have seen it, and uh, I I did think about having that on the list somewhere in the in the in the ten. Yeah, uh, but I but it it fell it fell out. But it was there. It was there. <clears throat> uh, just so haunting, man. You know, I, when I've talked about this in the past, I've used the analogy. Of it's kind of like The Shining and Colonial New England, and that is kind of what this movie is. But when you talk about the devil aspect specifically, and how you know the devil or the demonic kind of spirit is being harnessed in this black goat who 
in my opinion, is now iconic in the horror genre is Black Phillip from this film and how you kind of learn, like, you know, because this paranoia has set in and Anya Taylor-Joy's character, she kind of feels like she's paranoid. Her family's, everybody's gone mad. Like, she thinks she's going crazy. Like, you know, she she doesn't know what to do. And she's, like, talking to this farm animal like thinking like you are doing this, like, you know, what, why do you have this power of my family? Like talk to me, say something to me. And then she kind of has this moment where she's like, okay, I'm talking to a goat. I'm crazy. And she turns to walk away and the goat is the, is fucking Satan. And he's, <laughs> and, he, and he's like, you know, and it's shot so perfectly because you just hear the like sinister voice Mm-hmm. talking to her and it'll be like cut back and forth, but you never actually see the animal talking and you just, you, you kind of realize what's going on. And then, you know, she succumbs to that and she essentially, you know, dives into witchcraft to be a part of his like army or whatever you want to call it. It's an extremely slow burn that like yeah. reaches a gigantic like climax. Like the last 10 minutes of this film is like, holy shit, you know? Um, but the first like hour and a half is like, what are we doing here? And then when it comes to fruition, you're like, wow, okay, that's how that all played in. And why and rewatching it, I actually enjoy it more than the first time I watched it. Like every time I watch it, I like it a little bit more. And I yeah. kind and I kind of find new things to kind of dissect in it. I, but I, I'm a I, huge fan of this movie. I I feel it's been a while since I've seen that that film. There was a lot of hype when when the film came out. A lot of people just saying how how amazing it was. Uh, and and you know, like you go into any film having that hype, you know. Yeah, it hurts it sometimes. Uh, yeah, adjust adjust your expectations a little bit. Uh, so so I watched it. I I liked it. it. Yes, it was a very very slow burn. But I feel like just same as with you. If I watched it again, I would appreciate it more and and really kind of dig into it because I do I do like slow burn things. But if you're not expecting that slow burn necessarily, mm-hmm. then. Then it's it's going to take you multiple rewatches to be like, okay, no, I, I get what they're doing. I appreciate it more. Yeah, the hype really didn't do this movie any favors. You're right. Because it's not, I mean, with the exception of the last 10 or 15 minutes, it's not. It's more of a family drama, honestly, mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. until that last act. But, I mean, some creepy shit happens or whatever. But, you know, it's just kind of like a family study, really. And, and you know, what it must have been like to kind of be outcast in colonial New England and uh, the Puritan times you know it's salem witch trials and all that stuff of course yeah would have come after this so you kind of kind of see where what eggers was kind of going for with the story you know yeah so yeah yeah i'm a huge fan of this movie i am honestly people are probably listening to this that listen <laughs> to my show regularly they're like this is not your number one like oh my god but it's not it's my runner-up so that's my number two and we're up to our number ones brandon what's your number one man versus devil movie buddy drum roll crappy drum roll yeah that's not a drum it's just my it's just my tongue and i'm rolling it badly uh my my number one originally this wasn't my number one i think exorcist was my number one originally but then my wife mentioned this this particular film and immediately i'm like i love that so much i love this film so much Mm -hmm. uh it is the 2001 film frailty uh oh wow with mcconaughey with with yes with Matthew McConaughey. Oh my god! Okay, I haven't. Bill, I didn't even think about this movie, dude. I haven't seen this in forever. Yeah, yeah. Directed uh, directorial <clears throat> debut of the great Bill Paxton. Mm-hmm. 
the the story is about a father who has seen a vision and he's basically been given uh touched by the hand of God to to clean the world of demons. Uh and he is it's just him and his two sons and he is is trying to explain to his sons that yes he sees demons and he's killing demons but to one of his sons it looks like he's just killing innocent people and so it's a it's this really it's this really cool story about like having faith uh in like trying to show others that you have to have faith but mm-hmm. when when the, when there's an atheist or and I'm an atheist so I'm not <laughs> you know yeah. somebody who 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 is a skeptic by nature uh them kind of pushing back against that and seeing like no this is just fanaticism um and Matt McConaughey's character is one of the the sons grown up uh and he's the one who's telling the story about his father mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I put this in the man versus devil film because mm-hmm. it's basically a story of, of a man, uh, and his, and uh, against his son who may or may, you know, like it, it's a, it, it, yeah, it's not clearly a devil thing, but I think it's, it's in there. It's in the, the bones of it. I was going to say, where's the devil at this? But I, I kind of get what you're saying though. It's kind of like the presence is there. Yeah, and and I don't want to get in because I don't want to give any twists away. Yeah, right, either. yeah, I haven't in, seen in a, a long time, but I remember there were there was a pretty big twist. Yeah, yeah, and uh. so um, so that was that was the kind of big thing is like it's it's a man versus demons and a little bit of a devil in there. <laughs> right, I know what you're saying. I would love to revisit. You know, I didn't even think about this. I mean, that's so crazy. I love. When my guests just name something, I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't thought about that in X number of years. You know what I mean? And I literally haven't thought about that movie in forever. I can remember when I worked at a video store, actually, Matthew McConaughey's like, you know, those like glaring eyes on the cover or whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. And it's kind of like a faded picture of him with the glaring eyes. I remember that being the, the, the DVD cover, I guess it must have been back then. But yeah, so frailty. Wow. Number one. Yeah. Your, yeah, your just, wife uh- brought the pain, man. I, I, I love it. I love it. And just, uh, you know, as a, as a father, you know, you, you have your son. I have my, my 10 year old, you know, like you want your kids to grow up to be good people, right? Yeah. Right. Right. And, right. Uh, whatever, whatever your worldview ends up being, right? You just, you want them to be good people and, and, uh, bring goodness into the world. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you're touched by God and you, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, this is, this is how to be good. This is how to, to bring goodness into the world, but to an outsider, it looks like you are a, a raging psychopath murderer. Yeah. How do you reconcile that? Right, right. Yeah, wow, the duality and stuff. I mean, that's that's a great that's a great point. It's a movie that I need to rewatch. And Frailty is your number one, man. There you go. What was the year on that again? Do you have that? That was uh, 2001. All right, there you go. Oh, one Frailty. Check it out, guys. Matthew McConaughey. Wow. <laughs> All right, all right. Hey, versatile back then, baby. (laughs) Well, look, my my number one might be a basic bitch pick, but it is The Exorcist. (laughs) It has to be. It has to be. I mean, from 1973, man. I mean, uh, you know, I just couldn't not do it, man. I mean, it's it's the epitome of, like, what we're talking about. I mean, it's possession. It's demonic. It's the devil. It's all that stuff. I've got a few of my honorable mentions that I'm going to talk about later that – you know, really owe everything to this movie, to this franchise, William Peter Blatty, William Freakin. It's just an iconic film, man. I mean, it, it, you know, I can remember my dad who, my dad would have been 18 when this movie came out. Hmm. And my dad, when I wanted to watch it, 
And I started kind of getting into horror, you know, and I said, this probably would have been in the nineties. And I said, you know, I really want to see the exorcist. Everybody's talking about it's the scariest movie ever. And like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I want to see that one. You know what I mean? And my dad, who was like the most reserved, calm, like never, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like just even keeled person that I've ever known to this day in my life, like never really raised any kind of eyebrows was I remember mentioning it to him and just be like, no, you, you can't watch that in this house. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he's like, I do not want that movie playing in my house. And my dad was not that kind of person where he was superstitious or whatever. And so I'm like probing him. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Cause that of course made me want to watch it more. Of <laughs> you course, know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, dude, he's like, I, I went to see that in the theater when it came out and I left. And when I was walking out of the theater, I swear there was a demon staring at me as I left the theater. And I've sworn to myself, I'm never going to revisit The Exorcist. I do not want to see it. And I do not want it in my house. If it plays in this house, the demons in the house. Like my dad, dude. And, and you, yeah. I know you don't know my dad, but like my dad was not the kind of person that literally cared about anything. So for him <laughs> to just like go on this thing, I was like, what are you talking about? I, and it I, just was one of those things that just affected people of that era. You know what I mean? I I am I am so jealous of previous generations of horror fans uh, going in to see movies and and like experiencing those reactions for the very first time. I, I watched something recently about Nosferatu, the the twenty two, yeah, you know, nineteen twenty two, mm-hmm. uh, the Murnau film, and and people going into the the theater and being so shocked by Nosferatu, uh, but also like. You know, films were new back then as well. So not only do you see like this, this, this horrible creature, but you also, you're experiencing film for maybe your first time in your life. I'm so envious of, of being able to be a part of that. And Exorcist, we've heard, we've read, we've watched people talk about the history of that film. It, it, it should be my number one. It's re- the only reason it's not is because I was, you know, trying to be. Uh, yeah, contrary, sure. Yeah, I mean, but- <laughs> I'm sure you thought it would come up. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, um, just so so good, man. And and it's so effective because it is. It's grounded in. They're they're not they're not trying to like uh, heighten the the. the it's not, not it's not hyper reality, right? They're not like they're not adding like fairy tale music. It's it's just very clinical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When they're putting Reagan in like the the hospital stuff, it's very clinical. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we've talked about so many different like subgenres of horror on on this show in the past, and you know, The Exorcist is one of those movies that literally launched a subgenre in possession horror films. Uh, you know, you look at you know Romero's Night of the Living Dead launched zombie films. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, without The Exorcist. You know where would we be in that in terms of that you know wing of horror, and I just feel like a a game changer and a groundbreaking like landscape shifter. I mean, come on, man! It's it's the number one on any list that it's eligible for, in my opinion. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's and, it. For me. And 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 from for for William Peter William Peter Blatty going from uh <laughs> uh what uh shot in the dark right the pink panther stuff with with peter sellers and then writing going from comedy all the way over to just straight to this horror uh i mean uh, you know they say comedy and horror are are like siblings or whatever like they're really close mm-hmm. and yeah i mean there's there's timing there there's there's <laughs> that's i mean that's what horror is so exorcist yeah 
Yeah, man. There. there you go. So that's my number one. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't not do it. So my number one is the Exorcist for my man versus Devil movies. Even, Sell out. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Basic bitch, man. It's pumpkin. Uh, it's pumpkin spice season. What am I gonna do? You know? <laughs> I gotta do it. Man. It's it's Pazuzu spice. You gotta you gotta do it. <laughs> By the way, right. and, and Max, right. Max von Sydow, of course, is in The Exorcist yes, as well. killer, dude. Uh, just uh, so, so good, man. Let me just tell you what. I always thought he was so much older than he was because the, the makeup on him in mm-hmm. The Exorcist mm-hmm. is just so damn good. I agree. Yeah, he was like a, a whole bastard in that movie, dude. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know how old he was when that was shot to you. I don't know. But he, I don't. He's probably in his 30s or 40s. But he yeah. looked like he was 60s or 70s. Handsome motherfucker. He really was. You. With the hat and the whole thing, man. Uh, okay, so <laughs> Max von Sydow. <laughs> Aside, that was our top five man versus devil movies. Brandon, that was a lot of fun. I'll tell you what, uh, we're going to take a break, buddy. And when we come back from that break, we are going to give our honorable mentions. And we will see what the fans had to say over on Facebook. Now, I forgot to put up the post. I usually do it about a week in advance. So I don't know how many shout-outs we got over there, but we're going to check them when we get back. Everybody sit tight. We will be right back. Hello, listeners. Did you know that there's a lot more content where this episode came from? As you may know, we are an independent podcast, and we rely on donations in order to keep going. Over on our Patreon site, you will find several ways to stretch your dollar. I am currently producing six exclusive series that you can only get there. They include popular ones such as My First Time and 100 G-Tunes. You'll also get regular main top five episodes, just like this one, super early, often weeks in advance. For as little as $1, you can help the show continue. Just visit us over at patreon.com slash two peas on a pod, or you can check the show notes for this very episode. Now let's get back to the countdown. Welcome back, guys. We're still here. Brandon's still here. And we just did our man versus devil movies. Now we gave our top fives. Brandon, real quick, just remind them, uh, countdown five to one real quick. Just list them what your top five was. Okay, yeah. Uh, top five, five, Devil's Advocate. Four, Stay Tuned. Three, The Exorcist. Three, two, Needful Things. And number one was Frailty. Love that Frailty pick, man. You're, you're making me uh, rewatch that. I'm going to rewatch it this week, I think. <laughs> yeah, my number five was Bedazzled. Wow, really the funnest of the group tonight, am I right? <laughs> Bedazzled. <laughs> Thank God for Elizabeth Hurley, man. Mm. Uh, my number four was The Devil's Advocate. My number three was The House of the Devil by Mr. Ty West. My number two was The Witch. And my number one was the original The Exorcist. So there you go. Now, those were our top fives. But, Brandon, I've got five honorable mentions that fit the brief that didn't crack the top five. What do you have over there for your honorables, buddy? All right, all right. So so my honorables, Bedazzled is on there. So, there you so go. Knock that, knock that one out of there real, real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I'll be thinking about her for a long time. Oh, so. yeah. Uh, the Exorcist uh, has, to, I mean, it should be on the top five. I'm sorry, everybody. No, you knew though. You knew I, I was going to bring it up. I was just being kind. Of, yeah, just being one of those guys who's like, ah, yeah, let's just be devil's advocate. Hey, there you <laughs> uh, go. Uh, but uh, I also have, of course, the the Omen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Omen has has to be on there. Damien, yeah, man. Conversation about Damien will be there. Um, I have two more. I have the Prophecy, which was at ninety ninety five. That's walking, right? Christopher yeah, Walken. Chris, yeah. Christopher Walken, Vigo Mortensen, Virginia Madsen. Uh, that I I love 
that was on my list originally. Uh, and that there's a devil in there. It's a man versus devil. Uh, Viggo Mortensen is Lucifer in that. Christopher Walken is Gabriel, but he Gabriel is like having his own little war with heaven. Uh, and so Viggo Mortensen comes eventually. And he's like, "Hey, look, if you if you have this war, you're gonna start another hell, and we can't have two mm-hmm. hells." Uh, but uh, anyway, so there's there, there's a whole thing over there. Great, mm-hmm, great movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then my my number one um uh, runner up or you know uh, in, six. The, in the top mm-hmm. ten, six yeah is uh Prince of Darkness 1987 uh John Carpenter yeah, film. Yeah, a Carpenter. Yep, that's a good one. Yep. that's yep, a good one. I thought of- about that one too. It would probably would have been my eleven or twelve though. It didn't quite crack my top ten, but good list, man. So my honorable mentions, I'll just run through them real quick. My number six would have been Rosemary's Baby. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Duh. I mean, you know, we were talking about the Exorcist kind of spawning, no pun intended. <laughs> but this was 1968, so this was really, I mean, some people could argue, you know what I mean? So this was uh, Roman Polanski and doing something that was so like it must have been just. I mean, you 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 hear all the things about like curses on film sets and stuff, and people were so superstitious in the late 60s and. You had the Manson stuff going on, and like I don't know, man. It was just a really, really uncertain kind of like weird time, and then you had this like uncertain, weird movie that was dealing with this demonic stuff, and you know nothing really horrific, like visually happens in Rosemary's Baby. It's all like assumed, and like you know what I mean. It's kind of like hinted at, and Mia Farrow and the whole cast just really killed it in this movie, and um. It's just such an unsettling film to be a part of, you know? Yeah, yeah, for for sure. I mean that that's basically a woman versus devil though. Yeah, so you know, no, that I'm sorry. It doesn't count. <laughs> and you I, know? Had that, I had that in the witch too. So yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. What am I doing? No, that that's good. That's good, right? You got the diversity is in there. Yeah, for sure, man. And my number seven would been the Conjuring from the master James Wan. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good. Dude, one. Dude, fucking scared the shit out of me the first time I saw that because I was at home in the dark. Have you heard me tell the story on the show before? So uh, my no, wa- my wife yeah. and I didn't see this in the theater. Uh, we watched it on HBO or whatever in our bedroom upstairs. We have a two story home. And we went upstairs to watch the movie. And, you know, we're like, all right, let's just watch it in bed. You know, it's more comfortable, whatever. So we watched The Conjuring. We're both scared shitless. All right. (laughs) Have you seen this film, by the way, the original? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we're both both, scared shitless from this movie. And that night, the movie ended. We Because when we went upstairs at like 8 p.m. or whatever, we left all the, you know, downstairs, like, lights on. And, like, fucking, we didn't even know if the door was locked. Like... Neither one of us would go downstairs to turn anything off. We're like, nah, we're just, we'll get it in the morning. I'm not going downstairs. I'm not going to be killed or whatever. So, like, let's just stay here. <laughs> so, we just went to bed and, like, left all our shit on downstairs. It was crazy. Um, the Omen, you mentioned. That would be my number yep. eight. Now, my number nine and ten curveballs, but I love both these movies. I don't care. Uh, number ten especially gets hate, but my number nine would be Hellboy, <laughs> and my number ten would be Spawn. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna hate you for for Spawn. Yeah, I mean, you know? I dug it, man. In '97 when it came out, you know, it was we, we were, uh, prime we were, time we were, in my life where Todd McFarlane was doing the fuck. You know, I was he was doing his thing. You know, and we I'm were like, kids, man. You know, we were kids, and 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 everything is better when you're a kid. You know, like yeah. If, as as long as you don't watch it as an adult and then be like, oh oh no, it sucks. Like Popeye, don't watch Popeye as an adult because it's awful. You know. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Spawn would have wrapped out uh, my top ten. Now, Brandon, what we do uh, every episode is we head over to social media and see what the fans had to say in the old suggestion box. Like I said, man, I just put it up today. But I said, what are your favorite man versus devil movies? There are no wrong answers, whatever that means to you. Okay? Perfect. Yeah. So, here's what we got. Brad Hargis. Patron and friend of the show says, end of days, because who doesn't like Arnold versus the <laughs> devil? We think, yeah. have you seen that one? That's a good one. I, yeah, it is a good one. Yeah, yeah, I, I like it. You know what? That soundtrack is fucking killer, too. That was back in the, like, corn, Linton Biscuit era, you know? And it had all that <laughs> stuff on there. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's good stuff. Uh, Dan, patron and friend of the show, says, Petey Wheatstraw, and he tells me to get educated. Now, I never saw that. That's... um. What was the, uh, that's the, Dolomite uh, is my name that Eddie Murphy played in. He played that actor that that portrayed Petey Weestraw. But that's like a, I think that's like a black exploitation horror film. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Black exploitation comedy horror film written and directed by Cliff Rokemore. There you go. Uh, yeah, yeah, there it is. I've, I've, I've never, I've never seen it. Um, I haven't either. But, uh, but Black Dynamite kicks ass, and so that's uh, that's just an aside. It has nothing to do with the devil. Uh, Kayla, patron or friend of the show and friend of mine in real life, has got a few here. Two of the three I've never heard of. But she says Devil's Advocate, which we both mentioned. She also says The Other Side of the Box and Marrowbone. Hmm. Have you heard of either of those? Nope, nope. I, I looks like either. I need to get educated. Yeah, me too. I haven't either. Uh, Chris Yaney, patron or friend of the show, has a gif of the Exorcist title card. He's not wrong. <laughs> uh, let's see. Joey. Be- oh, there you go. So somebody said bedazzled. Joey Mills, a friend of the show, says bedazzled from the 90s with Brendan Fraser and Elizabeth Hurley. It was actually from 2000, Joey. So let's go, buddy. Let's uh, <laughs> well, the old Wikipedia when you're putting the suggestions there. I'm just kidding. Uh, Michael Hill says damn Yankees, which is a musical, but I guess they did a movie about that. I, is the devil in that? I don't know that movie or that musical, I should say. Do you? Mm, no, no, aren't they a punk band? <laughs> yeah, they're well, they were the 80s or the 90s rock band with Ted Nugent. Oh. That's what you're thinking of. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they were named after that musical, Damn Yankees. But I'm not familiar with the script, so I don't know how the devil plays into that. But uh, thank, uh, but you know, thanks for the shout. The devil in a musical, you probably can't go wrong. Uh, Christianity also says Dogma. Uh, that's a good one. The Ke- yeah. Kevin Smith with Alanis Morissette as, the, as God. That was good. I think was um was uh George Carlin the devel in that? I can't remember. And, Do- uh, and Dogma. It's been so long since I've de- seen Dogma I think maybe and, he I, was. and I I can't, I can't see remember. Dogma because uh Weinstein is a piece of shit. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh Phil Rude says the witch Constantine and then he says if you want to be a little more abstract there will be blood. Uh are you surprised that Constantine didn't come up tonight? I'm surprised that Phil, my friend, <laughs> says there will be blood. Uh, I mean, yeah, that is that is very abstract, Phil. Um, so that's just an aside, which is a great film. But um, oh yeah, man, I, I am a little bit surprised. I, I thought about Constantine. I, I mean, I watched it. It's, it's all right. I'm, I'm, it's it's, a, it's okay. Yeah, it's a, uh, that's kind of how I feel. But I mean, I guess it is kind of like perfect for this brief. But I don't know. It just didn't make my list. I don't know. I wasn't like a yeah. giant fan of it, you know. So it didn't come to mind right away. Right, right, right. Uh, one uh, one that did kind of come to mind, and now I'm kind of disappointed it didn't make my top ten at least, Jared, patron or friend of the show, says The Gate. 
I freaking mm. love that movie from 87 with a young um, Stephen Dorff. Do you remember that movie with the little demons or whatever under the bed and all that? I, I get a lot of those movies confused. Like I think of like Troll and I think right, of right, sure, yeah. <laughs> like Ghoulies. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, they kind of look like ghoulies to be honest, but yeah. Uh, but that was a good one that really fucked me up as like a 12-year-old kid. Uh, but he also <laughs> says South Park, bigger, longer, and I cut. That's a good one. Yeah, that's Blue good. Satan's <laughs> of that. I fucking didn't think about that. And then he says the prophecy. Uh, and then we'll end on top tier patron of the show. Dan Roski, who says Devil's Advocate, Constantine, and Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, uh, that's, a, that's uh, good. I, that, the whole movie's not against the devil necessarily, but unless unless you consider like the main villain kind of like yeah, the devil of the future. Yeah. yeah, but I'll allow it. I mean, the devil's in there. It's cool. It's, yeah, it's, Bill it's abstract. Yeah. You do, do what you want. Uh, I had a friend say the devil wears Prada. Uh, you know what? You That's what my wife said. And I actually <laughs> thought about it because I really, really liked that movie. But I was like, I don't know. Like, is Meryl Streep the devil? Like, what's, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I felt like it was a little too, too much liberty. But it's yeah. funny that you said that because when I asked my wife today, we're sitting around having a beer. And I said, you know, I'm recording this tonight. It's kind of a weird topic. And she said, what is it? I told her. And she said, oh, well, the the devil wears Prada. And I'm like, eh, is the devil really in that? I don't know. So, uh, um, I do, I, I do, I do have one. I should have had it in my, obviously this is the one that should have been in there. A Hellraiser, like the Hellraiser yeah, series. That's true. In yeah. There, you know? Yeah. But, the original. I, I haven't seen the new lots one. Lots of Hulu, devils, but, I yeah. suppose. Mm. All right. Anyways, I'm done. I'm done now. All right, brother. Well, uh, look, dude, you're the man. Uh, please come back sooner than later. Brandon Cruz, I love you. I, I really Aww. do. I, I, lo- I love when you come on. I love chatting with you. It's so comfortable. It's so easy. And I love hearing what you have to say, whatever we're talking about, whether it's 90s grunge or whether it's movies, it doesn't matter. I just love spending time with you. So thanks for being here, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, man. I It's always a pleasure. Absolutely, brother. Uh, look up. You want to tell them real quick. So where should they go to find you real quick? What's the link that you want to send them to? Yeah, for for sure. Uh, head over to inter or sorry, <laughs> uh, head over to rickandmortypod dot com or just look up interdimensional RSS, the unofficial Rick and Morty podcast. If you are a Rick and Morty fan, uh, we are we are everywhere. Your podcasts are found and delivered uh, straight to your door, your virtual <laughs> uh, phone door. Hell yes, dude. All right, Brandon, thanks for being here, man. Uh, Guys, thanks for tuning in this week. We will be back next week. We will have another top five for you. Until then, everybody take care. Bye. Bye.